Hey, what's up, Brainiacs? Before we dive headfirst into season two, we wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all of you who made season one a great success. This last episode of ours, the Christmas show of 2020, was our highest viewed episode ever. Thousands of you tuned in to see our good friends, John Elefante, the former lead singer of Kansas, and the former lead singer of Flyleaf, Lacey Sturm, and her husband, Josh. We promise you that season two will be filled with guests just as good as this, if not better. So we hope you tune in. Now, we wanted to wrap up season one in a kind of fun way, so we put together a kind of best of show. We gathered clips of all of our guests from season one, and we also included all of the wonderful banterings between the Big M and myself, including this first one that we're going to kick off with that's never been seen before by anybody. Now, before we started the show, uh, Mark and I did a kind of test run to see if we could uh, carry on this banter as good on camera as we do off camera and to see if the chemistry was there. And so we thought it'd be fun to include this little clip here from that test run just for fun. So we hope you all enjoy it and we hope to all see you again in season two. Let's do this. Labyrinths. I'm not defined. Thank God I'm not defined by my past. I, you know, I, I'm not the same guy I was 20, 30 years ago. Uh, none of us are. And it wouldn't be fair for someone to bring up something that uh, the way that I lived 30 years ago and attach it to who I am now. And I think that when you have that in mind, it's not fair to do that to anybody on politically or, or you know, celebrities or whatever. Um, people you see in the limelight or in the public eye. I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to do that to them. So you and Mel Blanc, man, what a, what great company to be in! Woo! Holy cow! Woo! I mean, man. how how are you going to fill those shoes, man? Uh, you know, it, it's wild because when I uh, first got like the uh, the uh, audition, well, and and the guy I, I've known him because I used to work on like the Amanda Show and some other shows on Nickelodeon. And so the guy that was putting this together said, hey, man, I might have a part for you. It's like a little tiny kind of Neanderthal, unsophisticated <laughs> gorilla rock of a guy. And I right. went, yeah, that's me. I, you know. The Brian Head Welch concert that I went to, I took my brother, who's three years younger than I, uh, to that concert, who was lost and had addictions mm. and... Uh, because there was a smaller crowd that night, Brian was out among the people in the merch area, and Brian Head Welch began to speak with my brother, and along with my friend Doug Naden, who now one of my best friends in in Atlanta, uh, they you know gave their testimony, and he told how he got off drugs and all that, and uh, they laid hands on my brother and they prayed for him, and it changed my brother's life. That's amazing, and. Uh, just uh, in 2015, my brother's roommate uh, stabbed him in the back and killed him. What? Yes. Oh. And oh I know where he is because of that moment. And so yes. maybe that'll give you a little deeper insight as to oh. why I support these people. Yes. Um, they're I changing mean. lives. They're saving lives. They are helping with people with self-harm and uh, suicide. And, uh, you know, music is medicine right absolutely it soothes the soul 100%. and i just wanted to give that testimony to let people know that um my brother walked away that night and said if he can do it i can do it yeah i think that that's amazing and and that day 
really awoke something in me, to be honest with you, Mike, because I, I always let people for the last, well, my entire professional career, um, judge this book by its cover because, you know, people look at me and I've got a bubbly disposition Hmm. and, uh, they, they pretty much think because I'm happy that I never, I never had to overcome anything in hard in my life. And, and that's a far cry from the damn truth. And, um, I've been having to be a fighter, you know, like a little female Rocky, um, the underdog my, my whole life. And it has not been easy, but overcoming all of that and then getting back there, it really made me realize it's time for me to stop letting people judge this book by a cover and it, it's okay. And I wanted to look fear in the face of facing all of the bad things that had happened to me because I got to, I got to hide behind that mask of what people thought that they saw in me. And it was a nice escape for a few years, but I realized coming back there that this entire gymnasium could be full of either people that are like her or people that are like me. And I wanted, I want to help them. I want them to know that, you know, the bullies don't win. (laughs) And then if something bad happens that you shall rise above and that you can. I'm not sure a lot of people know your relationship with Dave Amato, but you know, Dave played with you in Mastodon. Um, Now I know he, he played in on the, your most recent, uh, version of, of Mastodon, but, but did you play with him earlier as well? Or how long have you known Dave? I've known Dave 35 years. Wow. Okay. So about as long as me and Mark have known each other. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, here's how I met Dave Amato. I walked into a, a, I think where I was on a recess from a tour with Kansas. My, um, my personal friend and personal roadie was with me. We went out to a club and we're sitting and there's nobody in the club. And there's this band with David Motto, uh, Jonathan Kane's brother, who they call Muggs, is on drums. And they start firing up fire with fire. It's like, what? <laughs> Wait, they're covering your song? <laughs> well, yeah, he knew I was, I was the only one there. How can he not notice? <laughs> That's so, funny. As soon as they finish the song, you know, they introduce me and say, John, if you want, if you want us to do it again, man, come up and sing it. It's like, oh, I have to now. <laughs> so ever since then, I was, I've been best friends with Dave Amato. He's a dear friend. Yeah. And um, actually, Dave Amato, the very, very first showcase after I left Kansas, we did for Geffen Records. Uh, he was my guitar player. And uh, what's her name? Betty Davis Eyes. Um, yeah, Kim, uh, Kim Carnes. Kim Carnes was yeah. there. She stole them out of my band. <laughs> and then we did another showcase about a year and a half later. And in comes the guys with, uh, I think it was uh, MCA Records, with Cher. In comes walking Cher. Yeah. <laughs> and then she stole Dave Amato. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not the way it is. The next thing I know, he's with Ted Nugent, and then he's with... Um, Bon Jovi's guitar player. What's his name? I'm not, uh, Richie Sam. Richie Sam. Richie Sam. You know, I'm in the early stages of the Manchester Fellows. Uh, <laughs> You're not no, that old yet. <laughs> um, so then they steal them, and but they, I mean, this is all in good fun, man. I, I was so happy. Every 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 time David Mono reached a different plateau, I was so happy for him, man. Right. And then he joined REO. He's been with REO 30 years. Oh, I know, forever. I mean, Gary Richrath has been out for a while. So, and he's, he was 
that, you know, the Gary's replacement. So uh, been there forever. Oh, Dave, so. Dave's great, man. Now, how much, how much do you think that you've gained um, new fans from your solo stuff? Or do you think that the bulk of those are carryover from Flyleaf? Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you have a lot of new new fans that, that are just experiencing you. You know, what's weird is I feel like this is something I feel like God did, you know, um, because I was quit Flyleaf and did not plan to sing ever again on stage. Like I was right. not trying to pursue a music career. Um, but again, you know, when I was, you know, my a little of my story that everybody could find on the internet, um, when I was 16 and... and uh, plan to end my life and had this encounter with God on that day, I knew that not only going from atheist to not believing there's God and it's all random accidents to like, God is real. He created us all and he's intentional. And that was really clear to me. And I was, and it was the, the fear of God was, I had the fear of God. I was terrifying to be an atheist in front of God. Right. <laughs> it's just like, obviously any, you know, created being in front of your creator. If you ever thought about that for any length of time, it kind of blows your mind just thinking about it, but actually experiencing that for me was like, okay, I realized I didn't choose to be born and that was your idea. And so, okay, what am I doing here? And uh, that's kind of the seasons that change in my life. I have my own ideas. And then I always, in the end, I'm like, okay, so what do you think about this idea? <laughs> like, or like, he'll show me, <laughs> you know, like, well, right. that's working out. Um, but with music, particularly after I left Flyleaf, I um, I did not think I would be back out. And the first time I was on a stage again was telling that story I just shared. Um, <clears throat> really felt clear that even though I wasn't going to do music, that I needed to say yes to something that I didn't think I would do, which was tell my story. Franklin Graham asked me to come and tell that story of how <clears throat> I was suicidal. A lot of kids struggle with depression and suicide. And, um, and at that time, I was home with my my son I think I figure out how how old was that Joshua it's like a year and a half two years wow. and um he's like we're gonna do five shows we went up the Mississippi River and we want you to come tell your story you know we'll give you 15 minutes 10-15 minutes and um the weirdest thing is like that was a brand new audience to me you know, another uh, really good friend of ours uh, is uh, Kevin McDonald. I know uh, another part of that band. Kevin is extremely talented. And, you know, again, I, I think that I, I don't know how you gather uh, so many people in one band. They're just uh, a group of great guys. But I, I would you classify the Sun King Warriors as a, just a group of great guys? I mean, talented, great uh, I've, guys. I've brought this up to Jim um, maybe a year into playing with them because I joined the band, I want to say, uh, end of 2015. Uh -huh. And I, we were playing a gig in Altoona, a, a benefit show. And I told those guys that, you know, before that show, how happy I was to be playing with them because there were no psychos in the band. Right. None. Yeah. No, not only is everybody yeah, hard to come by. Exactly. <laughs> oh God. Isn't there stories always, I could tell you <laughs> exactly? Isn't there always at least one person in the band who I don't know, just at the very least, rubbed you the wrong way or something? Yep. Well, Joe, um, I know why. I know why. Why you're in a band that doesn't have that you don't have a psycho in it. You're not a psycho, and it's usually that my experience. 
is a lot of times the, the psycho in the band's a drummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got a you got a drummer. You're a rarity. You're a great drummer, and you're not a psycho. I mean, you, you're. Let's hope people, not. You're in high demand. Well, it's, you're in high, especially in in Western Pennsylvania. Sometimes it can be the singer too. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, uh, also you know, besides uh, Halloween, we got uh, uh, the the dreaded election day coming up next week. So, uh, I just encourage everybody to go vote. And uh, if you've, I found out in Pennsylvania and other states, you've if you've already voted uh, by by mail. And you have you're having buyer's remorse over one candidate or the other. You actually can change your vote in Pennsylvania and other yeah. states. So if you if you voted for Trump or Biden and you're thinking, wait a second, I made a big mistake, and you vote want to Pizzeski. change that vote, vote Pazeski. He's uh, a much better uh, candidate. I'm 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 on board with his platform, even though he hasn't officially announced me as his running mate. But I would back him up if he if he ever. Uh, oh, absolutely! Me. If I win, you know what? I even put on Facebook. I even had a picture of my uh, mail-in ballot right in Pazeski. If you're voting for me, vote early and vote often. Yes, often, often. As, I mean, look, people usually, I mean, they, come on, let's just be honest, they cheat, okay? You're filling out four or five ballots anyways. You might as well make one for, for your regular candidate and four for the big M. That's yeah, that's right. Saying. Come on, people, help me out. Yeah, I'm I mean, I figured you wouldn't want to be part of this whole thing unless I actually win. And Exactly. What's, what's the be, point? Yeah, so what I'm going to be doing is I'm I'm doing a little bit of um, research, and probably in the next day or so, I I figure I, a good campaign song that I could find somebody that will do my song, just like all the other big candidates, I think will be what I need in this next week to put me through. In fact, I'm going to work on it tonight, and I'll have it up on my Facebook page probably sometime tomorrow. And hopefully whoever the artist is that I pick in their hit song, they're going to do it when I get – when, when they swear me in in January, and what the hell, why I'm at it, we're going to, for the inauguration, we're going to have the whole Motley Crew, Poison, Def nice. Leppard, Joan Jett concert, and it will I'm be on TV. And it will be on TV, in stereo, no pay-per-view. It's going to be free for the country. Hey, I mean, that's that. if you can't get behind that platform, what can you get behind? I mean, I, I don't get it, you know. <laughs> I've always kind of loved, like, a little bit of rock history, and a quick, quick story. I was I was doing an art show um, at uh, Studio Gallery O in Chicago. I had some pieces. So I, uh, uh, this is like the weirdest story. It gets sort of convoluted, but I, my car had issues. So I rented a van, right? So I loaded my things, black van with tinted windows. So I, <laughs> I, I, I drove it to Chicago and uh, I thought, you know, dropped off the art and was coming pretty much right back, you know, to, right. to Cleveland. So it's only like four or five hours, five hours, six hours. Hour. So I'm coming back and, and I, all of a sudden I see Gary, Indiana. I went, wait a minute, Gary, Indiana, that's the home of Michael Jackson, right? <laughs> yeah. So I pull in Gary, Indiana with this black tinted van. Gary, Indiana looks like the bomb was pretty much dropped on it. <laughs> <laughs> Except nothing for there. Michael Jackson's house. That's <laughs> pristine. <laughs> you know, it's like the bomb. Right. And it was like the house was left intact. And uh, so I'm over there and I'm like, man, look at this. Other people are there. I'm taking pictures in front of Michael Jackson's. This is just like this past year. Right. And I'm like doing that, you know. And then I, uh, you know, I waved to a couple of neighbors and they're like, man, what's that? What, who's that narc over there? Who's that? Who's that cop? What's that cop doing? I <laughs> dark sunglasses and a tinted van. Either I'm a cop, right. I'm, uh, you know, some kind of molester or I'm dealing drugs. Drugs, right. Something's up. So now... I'm in the car driving back on the turnpike, going back to Cleveland. 
and I'm, it's starting to rain a little bit. Uh, all of a sudden, I, I said, well, I'm going to put up these pictures on Facebook of me by the Michael Jackson house. This is amazing. And a video right. of me, I start getting my pings. My kids are pinging me going, what are you doing? He's, Michael Jackson's not, he's, nobody <laughs> likes Michael Jackson anymore. He's, he's the freaking molester. Take those down. What are you doing, dude? Right. Take those off. And so I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. So I'm trying, oh, I got to take these off. Right. Now I'm driving. I'm going 70 miles an hour right. in a black van. And, I, and I'm going, I'm taking them off Facebook. Right. All of a sudden, like, I, I pass, like, these trucks in the middle of the road. I'm like, what are they doing, like, car? They're doing, like, road service? Um, pickup trucks. So I'm going, I pass it, two of them. And I'm like, uh, you know, a couple, a uh, couple truckers, you know, doing a handoff or something. Right. <laughs> two seconds after these trucks are behind me, pickup trucks. What? And I see this like, whoop, 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 whoop. they're cops. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, so I, I pull over pickup truck. Right. Cop gets out and goes, uh, you know, you're swerving back there. He goes, were you texting? <laughs> now at this point, I threw my phone into the other, in the other right, seat. I'm like, right. oh, shit. I threw it. Now, all I had to do was say, yeah, officer. Yeah, I was uh, at the Michael Jackson house. I, I was deleting my pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's me now. I thought, that's a stupid story. I better come up with something better than that. You told better me you're drinking. Truth. You told me you're no, drinking. Well, you're so <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, I go, I'm just coming out of Chicago. And my uh, sister had a breakdown and uh, went to visit. Oh, I'm telling him a totally stupid lie. <laughs> And he goes, breakdown. Uh, I go, yeah. He goes, some emotional. I go, well, she's on a cut. She's, she'll be fine now. And he goes, so you just drove up to go see her. He goes, well, I'm not going to hold you long. I, you know, it's emotional. Just watch where you're going. He goes, is this your, is this your vehicle? And I go, no, actually, it's, it's not mine. Uh, where's your vehicle? I go, well, oh. it's, uh, uh, it broke down. So and he goes, uh, what do you have blankets in the back for? <laughs> And I go, well, I, I had art in it. I'm an artist and I, uh, I had some stuff. He goes, are you sleeping in the van? Were you? I go, no, I just went up. So now the story's getting deeper. Right. <laughs> he, goes, uh, he goes, do you, uh, can you come in the truck with me? We'll, we'll just kind of fill out this. I want to talk to you in the truck. I went, okay, sure. So I'm in the, now an hour he kept me. He right. grilled me for every, like, so what are you doing? You got any drugs in there? Anything? He goes, why would you have a truck when you, he goes, and so you went up, what was, what, and so I thought, all right, I got to get deeper than this cop. So I started getting into like, yeah, I thought, so anyway, she's on this Selexa, it's like five millimeters, he goes, and she was also mixing with stuff, and on this like, you know, and she's real detailed about it. Yeah, really <laughs> super detailed, almost to the point I thought, I'm going to like mess with his head, just like he's trying to mess with me. I went, yeah, and she's on this. And I go, you know what? I said, and probably she's drinking. I said, have you ever taken prescription drugs with, with a beer? You don't do that, officer, right? You don't do He goes, no, nah, no, nah, I don't. I go, and that might have been what happened. Because all of a sudden, she's talking to herself. She ain't doing it. And then uh, he goes, all right, well, uh, okay. And he goes, so, uh, yeah, maybe you should stop and get some, take a break and get coffee. Next. So he lets me, but it was an hour. So, dude. Here's the bottom line. Don't lie to cops. Don't drive vans with tinted windows because you look like you're running guns or drugs. And uh, I, it all, I blame, you know, I blame Michael Jackson. There it is. <laughs> uh, you know, how, how did you get started in all this? You know, I mean, where, 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 where did it take off from you? Is it something you lucked into? Is this something you like progressed into? Where, where did that all start? 
Well, let's see. We'd have to go way back because I'm really old. Um, but <laughs> um, I'll give you a couple of snippets just to give you an idea how it kind of got that way. Um, my first job at 17 was working in a Christian bookstore in the 80s and uh, became a manager, sold tickets to concerts, uh, helped, uh, you know, at merch tables and things like that at that, you know, during, while I was doing that. Uh, went to Christian booksellers conventions, met a lot of the bands, um, you know, watched the you know, debut of uh, uh, This Means War with Petra and got to meet Petra at that, you know, back then. Nice. And, um, you know, met all the authors. And so anyway, I kind of got into it then and, and got my feet in it. Um, but then after uh, uh, we finally began to start our family, which it took us 11 years to start our family, <laughs> uh, not on our own choosing, well, but, uh, but not, Lord's not everybody timing. has that kind of fortitude. Trust me. I, I, some, <laughs> yeah. some might say you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we, we were very blessed at finally to have two children, but uh, I retired from the Christian music. Uh, I mean, the Christian bookstore and um, continued, of course, listen to Christian music and that sort of thing. But um, that was kind of the first stages. And then we got into ministry and then my husband was a minister of youth and we would go to events and things. But I th I don't think really things took off doing to kind of the things that I'm doing now until um, we started going to concerts with our kids when they became uh, teen uh, teenagers. Um, I'm going to take these off now. Go ahead. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When they became teenagers, we uh, I think the first thing that sparked it was we went to see Skillet about 10 years ago, and um, we the kids had been wanting to go really bad. And so we went, uh, fell in love with the whole, you know, the pyro and the whole thing. I was like, man, we've been missing out, you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> they um, put on a show. They yeah, really they, put on a show. Yeah, they, I don't care, you know, they, they always put on the best shows. So anyway... Um, my daughter began to draw pictures of Skillet, ended up, uh, Ben Cassica used her art for their podcasts. Um, the, the intro that with the, um, on the podcast where they had the um, cartoons, those mm -hmm. were her drawings. And so we got to know Skillet and it just blessed my heart how they mentored her, um, Corey and, and Ben. I still email Ben every time something happens in our in her life because i feel like he you know she's now a graphic artist right and it started with him investing in her oh, awesome. and uh so that was one of the one of the things that endeared me to uh to bands and then uh as things began to progress uh we started going to to others and the next big milestone, I guess, that, that really started catapulting me into the mothership ministry was uh, I went to see my friends Decipher Down and The Letter Black, which they they recognized me, but I was just a you know regular fan at that point. I had not That's Pittsburgh band, by the way. They, yeah, they live, they live in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, just south of where I live here in Pittsburgh. So nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, we went, I went to see them, but. Um, uh, it was Brian Head Welch Band at the time, Love and Death, yep. uh, was there. And I fell in love with them. I had never listened to Korn. I, was, I didn't know his whole backstory. Um, but I especially fell in love with J.R. Barice, which was <laughs> the guitarist. He was 15 yep. years old. And I was like, yeah. just so fascinated <laughs> with this little kid that was playing with him. Anyway, it progressed. I'm, I'm having to leave out tons of stuff. But anyway, I ended up 
because his mother kept talking about how they were eating badly on the road and she kept, I started seeing what was happening and what the needs that they had and that they were sleeping in Walmart parking lots and they oh, weren't yeah. eating good food. And I was like, what is, you know, somebody needs to do something. And usually when you have that kind of a thought, it means it's you that needs to do something. Right. <laughs> so I started fixing them snack bags and uh, meals and different things. And I began to meet other bands while I did that because I fed everybody on the tour. I didn't, you know, just because I brought food to them, I wasn't going to not feed everyone else. Right. <laughs> so I uh, started bringing them food and stuff. And then JR's mom uh, on a Facebook one day says, oh, when he's in Atlanta, you're his mothership. And everybody goes, oh, you need to own that. Ah. <laughs> and so she birthed it. <laughs> Lo and behold. I really want to ignore the, you know, with the latest in the news uh, with the debate last week because, uh, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, what, what, is else, what is there to say that hasn't already been said? So I, just for, for those of you out there, um, yeah, we probably could do like a whole show on how ridiculous that, that was. So let's just bypass that. I, I, although I do want to, I, w- I want to touch on one thing. It, it amazes me, and this is not about the debate, this is about politics in general. It amazes me how much people, like, they're, 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 they believe everything about politics, right? They, they get, they're so ingrained in it, and they're, they're so hypersensitive one way or the other. And, and, and people, it's political theater, okay? Most of the stuff yeah. you're seeing is not real. The, the 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 yapping going on the the calling of names the this guy did this this guy did that um, it's political theater it's all it is um, it's it's like it's like watching WWE and getting upset that the wrestlers are 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 really going to hurt somebody and they're calling somebody out I mean I I'm I, I'm sorry I I don't watch any WWE do you watch WWE I you. When I was a teenager, I watched it. Before it turned into Hollywood, right. I thought it was pretty entertaining and funny. Okay, so and that was well, I'm going to date myself then. Okay, because ne- neither one of us can probably name a current WWE wrestler, right? Other than uh, Casey Cotton-Zaro, maybe. Um, only because she was on American Ninja Warrior. But let, let's, just, let's just date ourselves. I'm going to say, this is like Randy Macho Man Savage uh, stepping up and calling out Hulk Hogan and saying, I'm going to rip his head off, and I'm gonna, next time I see him, I'm going to kill him, and I'm going to, you know, whatever. And he takes a chair and smashes it over his head, and people get up and, oh, can you believe what he did? Oh, my God, call the police. Somebody. It would be like reacting to that in the same way that people are reacting to politics. You know, people, it, 90% of everything you're seeing on the news, hearing from politicians, uh, seeing on social media, it's political theater. It's 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 done to guide you in one direction or another, and and have you choose sides and have you hate more, if more than anything. Did you ever notice that? There's there's nothing that's out there that causes you to to love somebody more. <laughs> you know, it only causes you to hate somebody more. Um, that, yeah, that, I don't know. There's some that some that seem to eat it up, and you know, it doesn't matter once they bunker down with somebody. It yeah. doesn't matter what they do. It's, I'm you know, just I'm just here to say, look, people, don't don't believe all that you see and hear, especially from you know schmucks that uh, from Congress that stand up to the microphone and start wagging their finger and calling the president this or calling the senator this or calling a congressman this or congresswoman whatever. 
just don't believe it, okay? It's political theater. Why they think it still works, well, put it this way, they do it because it does still work. Why you, yeah, why you people allow it to work is the, the question. That's just mind-boggling. Speaking a little bit more uh, of, of Corey and stuff, are you guys, uh, is there plans to re- uh, collaborate any more on new material or no, right? Not, not right now. Lacey and Corey are like a writing it's ridiculous how quickly like they wrote six songs we've only released the decree we're about to release the second one and third one but like they wrote six songs in like what three days three or four days (laughs) it's like they're a dynamic duo for sure and so i think it'd be cool i think it'd be cool to do that but it's also cool too we tried like on life screams we did three different Mm -hmm. sort of sessions we did Lacey and Corey session where they wrote together we did a session with um, a guy named David Hodges. He used to play guitar in Evanescence back in the day. Mm-hmm. He's a producer out in LA, a writer. Um, and then we did stuff where it was just our band here in Pittsburgh in the basement, Nirvana style in the garage, just throw the amps on and just see what comes out. So like right. the other two were very calculated, right? Official writing sessions. Yeah. And the other one was just like, let's just jam and see what happens. I think the only song that came from that that we used was Rot. I think that was the only one that was actually from like those sessions there, but the rest were mainly for that. So I like kind of spreading that out a little bit so it doesn't have sort of the same sound, you know what I mean? Throughout the album. Right. Yeah. It's, it's Corey is definitely, um, I would say she's a genius. I think that is probably the best way. She's just, she knows she hears things in her head constantly. She right. constantly has songs going in her head. She wakes up with songs in her head. <laughs> wakes up and looks like she's going on stage. Like she is. <laughs> I've never seen her off her game ever. Right. And I stayed there and I'm like. <laughs> well, she's in the right field. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is her thing. And she's excellent. She's just an ex. She's just. Pers- well, it's probably also a nice release too, to, to do something outside of Skillet to collaborate with you. Because, you know. Yeah, the first time that we wrote together, she said something like, something like, I, I like working on music when we're not touring to remind myself that I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's one of the smartest people that I've ever met. She's a really deep person. She's like, we get, we have a lot of levels that we connect on. And, and she's just so honoring and so kind to me. Like, I just, I feel like, it's too much sometimes. I'm like, how do you put so much trust in my opinion about that? You know, cause right. I really don't know. I'm not really like, she's a real musician. She knows like all the instruments. She knows all the, she knows right. Every, every aspect she knows recording. She knows everything about like radio and what they need and blah, 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 all the things. And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't, I don't know what the note is. I don't know how to read nothing. I don't know. I'm, I barely know how to, I mean, I know like three chords on the guitar. Like, I'm just like, I know, well, a little more than that, but I, I just think it's cra- crazy because she's just so honoring of me and she's so great about it. And that's, I think that's why we wrote together so quickly. She really trusted me. And then she's just really great at making songs. Right. And so, and I just caught on, I mean, it's a really easy way to write. It's just easy. Just uh, this past weekend, uh, my daughter who goes to Penn State, um, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus did a special acoustic live. How's her team doing? What's that? Uh, How's her team doing? Let's, let's not talk about it. They suck. Right, this go oh my gosh. But um, <laughs> they, uh, anyways, so Billy Ray Cyrus was playing uh, just for the Penn State students. 
uh, over the weekend. And he, it looked like he was like sitting in the corner of a, like an attic somewhere and, and playing acoustic guitar. But, um, you know, that guy is just, you know, you wonder like that, that Miley, that, that apple fell so far from the tree <laughs> from where Billy Ray is. Uh, Billy Ray's, I mean, he's singing Amazing Grace on this, on, you know, on his uh, streaming, you know what I mean? For these kids at Penn State and stuff. And I'm thinking myself, and then I started talking to my daughter and she, she's like, Miley's not the same Miley she used to be. She's changed a lot. I'm like, oh, I haven't. I'll tell you, she, she can definitely sing, though, man. Like, oh, she's got so she, much talent. She's got well, so much talent. On that music show that she's on, what is it? She's doing a voice now, and that, and she seems actually pretty, pretty cool with everybody. You know what I mean? She seems well, she, she seems she, to be doing everything she can. To well, I'm hoping she comes around. Along. I'm hoping well, you she know, comes around. I'll, I'll, I'll draw a good example. I, I think, hopefully. Uh, she's young, man. What is she? Twenty-five. She's something like that. She's she, she's very young. I was twenty-five. Yeah. I couldn't tie my shoes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I'm, exactly. I think <laughs> that. Um, and if anybody if anybody disputes this, they're lying. My brother Dino discovered Katy Perry. Really? Her name was Katie Hudson. Right, I know that. Saw her saw her at a church in L.A. She was warming up a. a Five band showcase. She was only the warm up. She did three songs on acoustic, yada yada. And the showcase got over with. And my brother Dino said, Who's that little girl that warmed up the show? Oh, that's Katie Hudson. Her, you know, her and her parents are part of the church. And he said, Can I meet with her? And so I think he stayed he stayed over a day after and met with her and her parents. And then she flew out to Nashville and we signed her to our label and she did two records for us, but I see to make, you know, to fast forward. I see her. I see Katy Perry coming around. Really? I hope and, so. And as a she, believer in Christ, we need to keep her in prayer because she's a big influence over young gals. Yeah. Much like Myrie, Miley. But I mean, yeah, I mean, she was when, before she became known as Katy Perry, she was uh, singing. Uh, she sang a song with POD you know, um, back up and she was going down that road. She was going down that, that, that Christian music road. And well, she, took, she definitely took a left turn, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, you know what? Uh, she's not, she, I think she's going to come back around. I, I, I mean, I would have to say that we're, we're going to all be blown away when she comes back around. I think she's going to come back around in a big way. I, I love it that these young girls, like I said, that do have the revelation. I mean, uh, you have, um, oh, crap, what's her name that was on uh, Wizards of Waverly Place? My, my daughters are going to disown me for not remembering her name. Um, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. But anyways, like that, that, um, that she is now like singing and like there's, there's viral videos of her singing in church, you know, and, and singing gospel music and stuff like that. Uh, Selena Gomez. And, oh uh, really? Yeah. There's this is there's viral videos of her singing uh, gospel music in church, and I'm like that. That just like warms my heart that that those that they're being touched at that early age to be influenced to go yeah, down that road. Michael, you know it's interesting. You say I'll tell you what I think happens because I've been there. Yeah. You get there, so to speak. Make a lot of money. I mean, I've, I've never been as you know, as popular as Katy Perry or Selena Gomez, but you get there, you get to the top and you go, wow. Um, is this all it is? Is this the pinnacle of 
everything. And then you start questioning yourself going, am I supposed to be happier now because I have millions of dollars and I have millions of fake friends? I mean, is this all there is? Um, I've been, I've been threatening to try to get Mark out on the, the golf course. You know, he's, 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 he's expressed about this much interest in, in playing golf. My, uh, my problem is that I had a herniated disc in my back from a car accident years ago, and I'm not very flexible as it is. And I, I golf, I think it was really one time, which was 20 years ago. Uh, and when you're like 200 shots over par, you're pretty crippled up the next You're pretty crippled up the next day. But and, I have and that was just mini golf. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, Kennywood, I think it was actually. But, no, I've I've always I, I've thought about it. I'm left-handed, so I'm I'm sure I could probably find a left-handed set of clubs fairly cheap with somebody selling them because there's probably not too many lefties out there. I've thought about it, and I just surely have to start with the kids, like to go out with Mike or to go out with you. You you guys would already be having dinner and a few drinks and then here i come walking in i'm done guys i'm ready to eat i don't know how well it would work but i have i i've definitely i'm i've gotten in a hell of a lot better shape with my back over the years since since that time and we'll start you out the driving range that's all we'll just uh take it easy on you you know just go and work on the mechanics there's so many people i know who who like the golf and it would be cool to be more to get more and you know get involved with it and actually be able to i don't care if i'm good or not but at least i could sort of hang with everybody and not be you know an hour behind and yeah but you know you what know. You, when you go to florida with me you could uh give my my dad uh you know an ego boost because he, he would be able to beat you so um you know and just make oh, him I'm feel sure. better about it <laughs> you know what we could do? We could figure out a way to play in a scramble of some sort. Yeah, that, the scrambles are always good when you're just trying to learn because everybody takes turns hitting the ball, and if they don't use yours, and I mean, and you know, you some, skip it. You skip it, and some some uh, scrambles say you have to use at least everybody's, you know, shot once or drive once or something like that. And you know, out of 18 holes, you're going to get uh, you know a, a drive that's usable or or something along the way. So, uh, no doubt. Yeah. Matter of fact, that, that's weird. I haven't played a scramble yet this year, and that's one thing that, that I'm, I'm missing. So, I mean, um, it is. It's really a scramble is such a different kind of mindset, you know. Yep. Um, I mean, it. You know, everybody's in the scramble, obviously, but you know, sometimes you hit great shots and they're still not used because another guy in your group crushed one. You right. know. Um, and so, but I I like the idea of that. Plus, you're always. When you're in a scramble, you're almost always competing to hopefully win something. Yeah. And that puts a whole new another spin on it, yep. you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm I get very competitive in scrambles. Uh you know, trying to at least play with a group that, that's that's got a chance. Yeah. And, um, and that cares. And that cares. You know what I mean? You I, I yeah. So it's one thing I'm missing this year. I usually I'm I I play in about three or four scrambles a year. I played in zero this year, but yeah. you know, that's yeah. par for the course. <laughs> Pun intended. I, I got to do an episode and co-host an episode of the Jerome Bettis show, the OT with the bus show with Albie Oxenreiter and my, my buddies, Albie Oxenreiter and Richie Walsh. And I just talked to Richie a little bit ago um, about doing cigars and stuff with him and, yep. and catching up. Cause it's been a hot minute. And 
and Jerome, right? And Jerome was great. And so we did this bit on the whole black and gold girls thing. And from there, it was, you know, just kind of just talked about with me. And, you know, it was always just this little thing that I did. And then the Latro Locals book came out and they really, you know, honored that portion of my career in that, you know, because I was the first girl to ever do it. It won best fight song of the year with ESPN. That was cool. And, and then from there, I was, I was literally, I was, I was sweeping. I'll I'll, I'll use a Pittsburgh term sweeping. (laughs) I was sweeping my kitchen floor on like a random, like Saturday afternoon and my phone rings and it's, it's this phone number that I didn't have in my phone. And I answered and hi, honey, it's Greta. And it, and it was Greta Rooney. And, and so they had me rewrite the song so that it would be evergreen, no players in it. And, and something that, you know, you know, really lasts. And I had already been working on that with the one and only the amazing Joe Monroe, one of my best friends. I just love Joe. I mean, I, my family, you know, my biological family, clearly there's been some ups and some downs there. So my band family, I have always latched on to. So Joe Monroe, right. Joe Marini, Nick DiBattiste. Nick DiBattiste is my emergency contact, my guitar player. He's my, right. he literally, if, if you go in, like if something happens to me, I'm in a car accident tomorrow, it's called Nick DiBattiste. Right. <laughs> you know, so I love my band family. So he helped me put it together and they asked me to be the celebrity performer for the rock stealer style fashion show. And it was to honor from the year prior, it was to honor the late Dan Rooney. Mm. And I love Dan. And from getting to be at some of the games and be like on the field and, you know, they always say like a, a trip to a trip to Heinz field with me is like a trip to the zoo. Like I'm, I'm on the field, then I'm in the tunnel, then I'm up in the, in the thing with Smokey. And then I'm like over here. My girlfriends are like, it's like a trip to the zoo, you know? <laughs> But I, I, I was very honored to do that and to do it for Dan because I've got to meet him and he was just such a wonderful guy and a wonderful man. And we were in rehearsals and I remember getting to tell Greta, um, I remember getting to tell her thank you because their, their family outside of like all the music stuff, you know, football and the, and the Pittsburgh Steelers team really represented that come from grit you know, rise into grace, inspirational, blue collar story of resilience and perseverance in which I had to grow up in and they led the way. And I never let Pittsburgh leave my heart. And a lot of what the Steelers organization represented was a part of that heart and that soul of mine. And so to get to sit there with her and and she's so sweet. She's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And for her to give me this great, great big hug. <laughs> hmm. It just, it was really beautiful to get to, you know, to say thank you because her family really inspired me to keep going and to do all those things, to be like them. And, you know, I explained Pittsburgh to people, you know, who love the Steelers, I said, you know, um, you know, to bleed black and gold, I, I said, it means more than, than, than just the game of football. It means overcoming. It means resilience. It means perseverance. It's, it's a way of life. I mean, that the way that our team came along in the seventies and saved our asses as far as being positive and having something to look forward to when all else around us was falling down. And I mentioned this, because life is that way now, and we're six now. Just saying. So, 
God is a football fan and he is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan because when times are low in Pittsburgh and the world and things are looking grim, the, the, the whole basis of what you and I like to do is we don't like to get too serious. You know, we like to try to keep things a little more lighthearted. I think that's what people like about this show is that we have serious conversations, but don't get uh, uber uptight about everything. But, you know, just in today's time and everything that's going on, it's just, it's, man, it's hard to find, you know, something to laugh about, <laughs> you know, uh, you need some sort of escape. Maybe this, maybe this show can be the people's escape. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's I'd I'd rather be doing this right now than well right now. I guess the, the ten o'clock news is is coming up, and I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I've seen enough. I work from home, and I have a TV on in the background much of the time. It's not up loud, but it's usually something. It's going to be news or something where there's a lot of talking. Where if I have to get on a call real quick, or somebody calls in that I don't have the theme from the Brady Bunch in the background. <laughs> it actually has a, sounds a little more professional. And oh right. man, I'm to the point now where I think you made a reference on, on Saturday about, about going up into space. It, uh, they were, <laughs> they had the right, they had the right idea because. They got on just they, in time, man. Yeah. A few hours later. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it's been, it's been, a, it's been a bigger mess uh bigger mess since i thought we would be talking about how things are starting to open up a little more and even though there's still a threat and everything with the coronavirus i figured things would be a little more lighthearted. and now all of a sudden just like wow and and how did we skip over the murder horns there were supposed to be murder horns what happened to them you know i don't i didn't ever really read anything <laughs> about them but somebody told me that they were warning saying they were coming that they found a couple of them dead here in the U.S. What was like a year or a year and a half ago? Yeah. Maybe I have that wrong, but <laughs> I I had a, I thought it was something that was not even anywhere near being a threat as of right now, and I thought maybe they were just trying to. I, I just think that they're, they're trying to throw something, everything but the kitchen sink. Now they're saying that there's a, a an asteroid headed towards Earth that's going to narrowly miss us, uh, you know, this year. You know, there's there was an earthquake at uh, Yellowstone Park, you know, near their, uh, you know, their volcano. <laughs> Just like, what else is going to happen? You know, these are the signs of Armageddon. It seems. 